Hello and welcome to Deep Thoughts with Kristen Long. Today I'll be talking about a few ways you can interpret the Bible better than before. Alright, so before I get into any of my main topics, I just wanted to start off with sharing my inspiration for this subject. And it all started when I was waiting for the bell to ring for my English class and there was a group of students who were all talking about how Jesus was a drunk because, oh, he turned water into wine and all he did was drink, which I knew was not true. And I had this inspiration and I'm like, oh my goodness, I should do my podcast on how to probably interpret the Bible and explain the different tools that you need uh, to do so properly and effectively. Because by hearing this conversation, I heard that there was definitely a lot of people who didn't know how to do that. And I just want to teach them and anyone else who is interested how to do so. And that's where I got my inspiration. Getting right into it, I am going to talk about the nature of scripture. So first of all, the Bible is both human and divine. The Bible is the word of God given in human words and history. And because it is God's word, it has eternal relevance. So it speaks to all mankind in every age and in every culture. And because God chose to speak his words through human words and history, every single book of the Bible has historical particularity. Since each document is conditioned by the language, time, and culture in which it was originally written down in. And moving on to translations of Bibles, choosing a good translation that is most readable for you is absolute key for your understanding. So, translators must decide whether they are seeking to convey the exact words or the central idea of the original text. The Bible was originally written in three different languages, including Hebrew, which was most of the Old Testament, Aramaic, which is a sister language to Hebrew that was used in half the book of Daniel and in two passages in Ezra, and the last one would be Greek, which is in all of the New Testament. So the original manuscripts were the copies produced by hand that had been copied repeatedly for a period of over 1400 years and even longer for the Old Testament. And choosing a good translation will help you to have a better understanding of the Bible. And it is even recommended to read multiple different translations to have a deeper understanding um, for the best of your ability. Alright, so now once you have picked out the Bible that works best for you, Exegus is going to be the first tool that you use to interpret better. So what is Exegus, you may ask? Well, Exegus is an important concept to practice. It is a careful systematic study of scripture to discover the original intent of the words of the Bible. So there are many different factors to consider while performing this, like textual criticism, historical context, form of writing, theological meaning, and much more. So the goal of this basically is to learn how to read the text carefully and how to ask the right questions. And two questions you can ask can relate to like the context and the content. 
And with context, you can ask about the historical factors such as time, culture, and the author of the book. And you can ask also what is the point of this passage and what is it trying to say. Alright, so once you have chose the passage that you would like to interpret better, and you have performed your exegesis, the next step you will be using is hermeneutics. So hermeneutics is a contemporary relevance of ancient text, and it goes along with exegesis well, since exegesis is needed to know the intended meaning of what you're reading. And if it is not done, you can be quoting God's word out of context, and you can distort the original meaning, which is not what we want to do. That's the exact opposite of what we're trying to do right now. So this is not an easy step, but one thing needs to be agreed on. A text cannot mean what was never meant, so you can't change the meaning of something. Alrighty, so moving on to the exciting part of my podcast, I am going to be explaining a passage that is often taken out of context, which it usually comes from poorly done exegesis. And so this passage is in John chapter 2, and I'm reading from verse 1 to 11. And just so you know, I am reading from the NLT Bible. And this is the wedding at Cana in Galilee. And verse 1 starts with, The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. And to those who are not familiar with Jewish customs and culture, they might not understand how running out of wine was such a big deal. And about a whole year is spent preparing a wedding like this, and they usually last about seven days. And here in this passage, they are on the third day, and they've already run out of wine. And so it was a bad thing. It showed bad planning on their part. It makes them look cheap. It was humiliating for them. And John, though, he doesn't explain how they ran out of wine, but maybe it was because they couldn't afford it. We're not completely sure. And as we keep reading, it says... Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. So the interesting part of this story is Jesus' will was contrary with his mother's. And even though Jesus knew that his time hadn't come, he humbled himself before her and honored her wishes. And this goes along with the Ten Commandments and honoring your father and mother. That's where this comes from. And so verse 6 says, Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, Fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, Now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, He called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings up the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. And I just want to let you know that it is worth mentioning that the Jewish people drank a lot of wine, much like how today Germans drink lots of beer. It was just a part of their culture, and there was just very few sources 
of good, clean, drinkable water. So that's what they drank. And because of that, they had a high tolerance to alcohol, and it would have taken a lot more alcohol to get them drunk. And like 2,000 years ago, there just wasn't as many options of what to drink as what we have today. And they just drank wine because it was pretty much all they had. And verse 11, as we keep going on, it says, This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory, and and his disciples believed him. And that's the most important part of this passage, is that it was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. It's not about him being a drunk and them drinking. It was about Jesus' glory. So now that we have performed a good exegesis on that passage, it should make a lot more sense because a lot of people interpret, oh, like Jesus, he is an alcoholic and whatnot, but that's completely untrue. It was just a custom they had in their culture and it was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and that's what is so important about this passage here. And I just want to make more sense for those who do not understand it. And that is the importance of having good exegesis on what you're reading and why it is needed. Because if you don't have it, it can completely change the meaning of everything that you're reading. And thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.